Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of Slotkin and Fisher at the Theater. I'm your host, Tom McGee. Uh, on this week's episode, we will be dealing with uh, Buddies in Bad Times and Theater Pass Asha Basha, uh, Thought for Food's Dark Heart, and Can Stage's Declarations. So, um, for those of you just joining us for the first time uh, on our show, uh, Lynn and Steve uh, compare and contrast their, uh, their various opinions on the latest things to hit the Toronto stage. So without further ado, let's jump into our first show. So Lynn, uh, tell us in just a quick recap, uh, what is Asha Basha about? I think it's pronounced, it's hard to tell, Asha Basha is written by Bilal Baig, directed by Brendan Healy. It's about uh, two queer men who are in love. They have to keep uh, silent about their relationship, certainly in one case. So it's about culture. It's about um, Pakistan culture. It's about queer relationships. It's about secrecy. And it's about finding the truth about your relationship and where you are in the world in that relationship. So, uh, Lynn, what did you think about the show? I liked it a lot. I thought it was a, certainly an interesting look into a, into a culture that... I'm not necessarily used to. Um, it gave me an interesting insight into the relationships of these two queer men, that one of them has to hide this this information from his mother. The mother always is referring to him as, be a good boy, be a good boy. Asha Basha, when I looked it up on the on the Google thing, said it that the translation was being a good kid. Mm. And that's what they always wanted um, Zaya to be. He was one of the, the, the men in this relationship. Salim was the other one. And so trying to please his mother, who naturally wanted him to get married, trying to hide his lover, but, but also wanting to be true to the lover, mm-hmm. was interesting to me. I like that whole relationship. There were a few areas that I thought could have been uh, fleshed out. This is a, this is the first play, uh, uh, and and uh, he has a voice that's fascinating. I want to hear that voice again. I thought it was given a um, a wonderful production, a sumptuous production by Brendan Healy that was both rich and yet pared down. Hmm. Uh, so I was I was fascinated by it. Yeah, and Steve, what did you think? Yeah, I thought the same. I thought it was really interesting. Um, a number of things, like for instance, all of the characters, uh, they're they're quite uh, in in tune with their uh, religion. They're all Muslim, but they have all uh, grown up with the various definitions and uh, how how to apply that. So even though they're all observing, and it's uh, right on the oh, it's right on the eve of Ramadan. Yes. Yeah. Um, they're all uh, observing the religious practices a little differently. Um, and, and I was also noting the audience around us last night. Everybody was leaning forward. Mm. They wanted to, they were fascinated by this, the, the interplay between the characters and the, um, and the very smooth jumping back and forth in points of time because we're solely uncovering this past incident in uh, his life that uh, is coloring his relationships with his mother his uh, 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 an old old friend who is he's long been estranged from. So I, I'm trying be trying to be careful not to give mm-hmm. anything away. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's I thought it was a fascinating show, and I absolutely agree with Lynn that it was very uh, that the drape that is hung around the stage. Wow, yeah, it's yeah, it's sumptuous. It, it looks both rich, and it looks like you're living in a closed world. Mm. So it's secretive. It's oppressive sometimes, but it is. It, it does suggest a rich 
culture, a rich uh, background. It's almost, it, it looks almost brownie, velvety, orangey mm. drapery that's on three parts, on three sides of the of the stage. And it could be claustrophobic if you're in these relationships, which would make sense since they these two men cannot be honest about it to other people who wouldn't understand. Well, it's interesting you say that too because uh, TPM doesn't tend to strike me as a closed space. It's it's such an airy theater. That's yes. right. Um, and so it's really interesting and I think uh, kudos to the production company then yeah. for making such a, a wide open space feel enclosed and feel claustrophobic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, final thoughts uh, just before we move on? Uh, it's just uh, as a first play it's it's very well done. Obviously it had a very accomplished director in Brendan Ely. Um, uh, it's some some great roles there too for some actors who we don't uh, haven't necessarily seen as much of and and I thought Kasim Khan in particular comedically uh, I think <laughs> some of the producers of the show might have been surprised they're like oh we have a comedy because uh, there were a lot of people laughing at uh, Kasim's performance in particular so yeah really enjoyable really fascinating um, great. Great show and topic for both buddies and TBM to be collaborating on together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. So that is Asha Basha. All right, so that brings us to our second show of the day, which is uh, Can Stage's Declarations. So, uh, Steve, 30 seconds, um, what is Declarations about? Right, okay, so this is Jordan Tannehill's artistic response to some really traumatic news, the uh, diagnosis of his mother with uh, almost certainly uh, terminal cancer. Um, So right off the bat, I would say I really admired Jordan's artistic practice because he took this, you know, life-changing event and uh, he immediately started uh, working and processing it through through his art. Now, this show is certainly not art as therapy. It's, uh, it's very, it's, it's got a lot going on, it's, and at times it can be very moving. And depending on whether you have uh, experienced the uh, death of a parent, you, you may have a very different response to it. Um, I, I will say, I think it's important to note that his mother is still with us. She was at the opening, so that is good. So so in the first 20 minutes, uh, the first actor appears, uh, Liz Peterson. And uh, one of her lines, I noted this in particular, this is her dying breath. The actors have been given lines that they are... Um, performing and improvising off of with um, movements uh, and responding to uh, the the lines that Jordan has written in response to how he's uh, interpreting this change in his life. Um, so it's very personal in many ways, akin to say eight eight seven without the contremoves. It's contremoves. It's a blank stage. Um, so all that said, uh, it. Even though the show only times out at about 70 minutes, I found it almost like durational theater because there's a lot of repetition. Uh, and for some people, they're really not going to be into this. Uh, at certain parts of the show, it did feel like it dragged because uh, the the lines, there uh, while there were variation between the lines, not much was happening uh, or it was very subtle. So a lot of people have responded very enthusiastically enthusiastically to the show i found it really interesting and i certainly admire uh the 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 cast and jordan's uh, experiment and also canadian stages experiment because this is a very unusual sort of show to see uh in its part of their theater season because in some ways it's almost 
more of a, a dance and um, performance piece. But um, yeah, it's a, I, I would say that this show was an acquired taste. Interesting. Uh, Lynn, what did you think? I loved it. Um, I, I, I totally agree with, with uh, Steve that it is challenging and it's difficult mm-hmm. because it's not regular storytelling. What he's done... Mr. Tannehill, is that when he got on the got the information, he got on a plane and took a six-hour tra- plane ride to come home to see his mother. And in that six hours, he says, in a fever, he wrote that play. Mm. And he's written 1,000 declarations, things that he observed about life and death and grieving and his mother and himself. And some of it is serious, some of it is funny, some of it is... Uh, repetitive. Life is repetitive. I found it very challenging trying to keep up and thinking, what am I looking at? It's then done as a dance piece with the improvisation of the body language of each of the dancers, uh, performers. Mm -hmm. And I thought that it it did did capsulize, capsulize a life and living and grieving and there were moments in there that he was talking about his mother for example at the end sorry I'm not going to say at the end there was one scene in which his mother came out and gave him his cell phone which he forgot so she's ill she's obviously sick she's recovering from chemo but she's doing what a mother does and gives him the cell phone and gives him a kiss and goes about her day living and he goes about his day observing, being a playwright, being a kid who's grieving, being a son, etc. I love that whole melange so that you could... Life is boring. Life is repetitive. Sometimes you have to stick through it. And I loved every part of that because it, it challenged me and compelled me to stick with it and go to the very end. And at the end of it, it's an exhausting 70 minutes. Well worth my time. Not for everybody. Totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah. No, it's as as you said. For some people, they're going to focus in on that part. I mean, like I said, it's almost a durational experience, even yeah. though it's seventy minutes. And and I say that as someone who sat through the entirety of Einstein at the beach without taking a bathroom break. Me too, there, sailor. So, yeah. So uh, yeah, this one is going to be. It's not going to be for everyone. Certainly, uh, there's some song in there. There's some dance. There's some really interesting interplay between the uh, the performers, and that that especially that was an aspect of the show that again I really admired. Uh, they're not necessarily playing characters. No one no one plays his mom at any point. They're merely repeating the lines and then reacting off them, almost at an improvisation. And some people, some people I think are not going to enjoy that aspect of the show. Tough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that has been declarations at Can Stage. Today's episode is brought to you by Brick and Mortar. Brick and Mortar Toronto began in 2012 with the aim to provide clean, beautiful, and affordable creative space to artists, regardless of their experience level or financial situation. Co-founded by local actors and producers Casey Dunn and Vicky Velanosi, Brick and Mortar currently runs four studios across three locations spread across downtown Toronto. You can book space at The Attic, The Box, or The Commons for as low as $17 an hour. To book your space or to learn more, visit www.brickandmortartoronto.com. Thanks, Brick and Mortar. You guys are awesome. All right, so that brings us to our third show of the episode, which is uh, Thought for Food's Dark Heart. So, uh, Lynn, why don't you tell us a bit about the show? Dark Heart is written by Genevieve Adam, 
who also stars in it, and she gets to play all uh, a part in which she gets to kiss all of the men, which I think is pretty good for her. Good for her. Smart woman. And she has set this in 1661 in New France, uh, Canada, as we know it now. And it's prequel to her previous play, Deceitful Above All Things. This takes place in New France with the wild and woolly uh, attitudes of the of the pioneers who are settling that area. We have um, a Courier Dubois character who seems to have various relationships with various people, um, and so they are. You've got these disparate characters who are living in that area, who are fighting the elements, fighting each other. There is a wife who is battered by her smarmy uh, upper echelon husband. She finds solace in the arms of Toussaint Langlois, the courier de bois. We have uh, the character of Lizzie, who's played by Genevieve Adam, who seems to be a woman who can uh, accomplish all kinds of things. She can probably chop down a tree, bake bread, you know, jump on men, make them fall in love with her. So I love the whole idea of setting this in 1661, putting the audience right in there with this rough and ready uh, cast of characters who are all pioneers. None of them is a wimp. Um, and the storytelling, her language is amazing because she's created this language that makes you think you're right in that time. I thought that was quite impressive. Hmm. Steve, what were your thoughts? Yeah, no, I really enjoyed this show too. I think it's uh, it's really smart counter-programming to some of the other shows happening around town right now. Like we just talked about Declarations, which was you know heady and experimental, whereas uh, this is sort of a, a rip-roaring, almost a soap opera. Uh, set in you know you know the uh, long gone days of uh, early early Canada before it was Canada, and uh, it's uh, it's it's very satisfying you know the, with the the twists and the turns and the characters and uh, yeah I think it's I think it's really smart uh, a smart way for uh, a show in, in, in a space like Assembly Theater which is a very small space uh, out in Parkdale to. Uh, Punch above its weight and um, and uh, get in some uh, people who might not necessarily be in, as interested in something as uh, experimental as uh, declarations. So, as a, a continuity and story nut, uh, mm-hmm. I gotta ask: um, This is one of the few times that we've seen a prequel to a new Canadian play mm-hmm. because uh, Deceitful Above All Things was in both the Summerworks Festival and the uh, the Storefront uh, Factory production. Mm-hmm. Um, what was uh, what are you th- having seen the, the original piece? What yes. were your thoughts on seeing these characters at an earlier time in their life? And uh, do you feel that the two pieces need to be seen together? Can they operate separately? What was your experience? Uh, with that? Not at all. No, uh, I don't think so. Because um, I think only the Toussaint uh, character is uh, the same character that is in the initial. That was indeceitful. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Yeah, Lynn's checking right now. She's no, you have right now. you have the doctor. Uh, the doctor Joseph Sarazan was also indeceitful about. Oh yes, that's death. true. And so there there are other characters in the prequel which are really interesting and as as Steve would say surprises. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need to see them together to no. see them separately because they are they are each their own entity. 
but they create they tell you where these other people came from and who their relationships were and uh were and and how they existed and you see uh you see the establishment of these characters and their stories and so i thought it was i thought it was tr- really interesting yeah it's yeah. it's the second show as part of a trilogy mm-hmm. uh, that adam has planned and uh yeah i think it's it's and we we've had that we've seen this before uh tackling uh canada's uh history and and in some way revisionist in a good way uh because uh the indigenous characters are really uh well integrated in the show and are are giving their own uh uh not license what's the word i'm going for uh, the, the agency f- agency yeah. thank you tom uh, I'm here yeah <laughs> Which we, we've seen before. I'm thinking back to Theaterfront's uh, The Mill, which mm-hmm. was had several different shows in different time periods. And, and uh, yeah, so if you enjoyed that, I think you'd, you'd enjoy this. Yeah, the very entertaining show and uh, interesting characters. And, yeah, no, recommended. So uh, part and parcel with the trilogy idea, uh, out of curiosity, um, are trilogies of new Canadian plays something that you're interested in? I know, uh, Steve, you just mentioned The Mill, which was a four-play cycle, right? Yes. Yeah, so is that something that, as uh, theatergoers and critics, you enjoy, or is that something that you find is often a, sort of a stretch, uh, depending on who, who did it? I think, you know, I love that theater can be an education in all sorts of things, and I enjoy the fact that, uh, as far as I can tell, not being an expert, certainly in Canadian history, um, that the uh, these plays are possibly historically accurate and uh, and are interesting uh, interesting reflection on our mm-hmm. our you know our heritage as Canadians and uh, our way to learn from them. So, and yeah. uh, Lynn, your thought on sequels and trilogies? I don't mind them as long yeah. as long as they're done well, mm-hmm. which could go with anything. You can you can find one play from one playwright that is life shortening, and you can find <laughs> three plays by. Another playwright who has a trilogy that is that goes like the wind. So it it as long as it's done well, is there if the playwright has something to say, is creating a world that's different from maybe anything else. That's fine with me. And I, I'm not even going to say it's revisionist history. She's she's creating what she considers to be a story that she's setting in 1661. Who am I to say, oh, that's wrong. You didn't get this right. But that's not the point of it. She has created, uh, she's made life lift on purpose in this play, and that's how you have to take it. Sorry, revisionist is probably not the best word for it. For it. Like, like you said, this is these are very plausible stories that she's telling. Yeah, and very respectful. For instance, the show was initially it had a different title, because the original title, uh, the cast collectively decided, may possibly have impugned on uh, indigenous um, spiritual practices. So, and there's a little bit of the there's a, in the show. There's also a little bit, and we don't want to give away too much, but there's a little bit of uh, mysterious and possibly the magical and the, and the uh, supernatural. And uh, so, if you enjoy all those things, and you want to combine that with some soap opera. Style interaction with your characters. I, th- this might be the show for you. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. So that was Dark Heart from Thought for Food, which brings us to the end of our episode. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, as always, you can find Lynn on CIUT 89.5 from 9 to 10 on Fridays. Uh, and you can find her at theslotkinletter.com. Uh, Steve, you can find at Grayson Stage on Twitter, uh, as well as graysonstage.ca. And uh, at uh, various karaoke bars, mostly hosted by Caitlin Morrill these days, uh, around town. 
Uh, and uh, I've been your host, Tom McGee. You can find me at McGeeTD on the Twitter. Uh, you can also find my uh, various ramblings and the uh, short stories and novels I'm working on at wahoppen.ca. So thank you once again for joining us, and uh, we will see you at the theater.